Yeah. You are driven. You've got all the drive you need within you, but is it in alignment with your true values and your core desires? So we're on a journey together to unearth what really drives you and me too. What matters most? So we can drive further, faster, and enjoy the ride. When you know what drives you, what you want becomes inevitable. This is What Drives You, and I'm your host, Kevin Miller. What Drives You is brought to you by Ziggler. If you're a coach or interested in coaching, go to Ziggler.com. Let the wisdom and sales skills of Zig Ziggler equip you to be an influential and successful coach. And I invite you to engage with me and other driven people. Go to my website or social media. It's kevinmiller.co. And if you want to connect with us, we've got a community, the Drive Tribe. You can see that at the website and where we talk further on these topics and about our drive overall. And if you get value here, it would be a gift if you would leave a review for the podcast. All right, here are seven key highlights that I got from this series on transforming conflict. Well, this is my big idea and action episode where I pull out the key highlights from our series on transforming conflict. Our catalyst was William Urey, one of the world's best known experts on negotiation. He's the co-author of Getting to Yes. It's the world's all-time best-selling book on the topic. More than 15 million copies sold. He's co-founder of Harvard's program on negotiation and his brand new book in our muse for this part one uh, or for this whole series is possible. That's the book name, Possible, How We Survive and Thrive in an Age of Conflict. I also had a conversation in the previous episode with my co-host and brother, Jared Angaza. He served domestically and overseas as a conflict negotiator himself. It was in that conversation that I really had an epiphany, which I'm about to share and what turned out to be seven key highlights that stood out to me. All right, number one, a big point of this. So we're looking at conflict is you do not have to agree. You don't have to agree. If you heard episodes or the, uh, the last episode, part three, with my brother, that came out. And man, that is not the way that I looked at conflict, specifically relationally. You know, you find friends where you agree. You find a spouse where you agree. That's what my perspective was. And I think it is a very common perspective culturally that we don't have to agree. What we've got to do is just figure out how to honor each other's differing opinion, perspective, belief, faith, whatever it may be, but we don't have to agree. We can agree to disagree. Even that sounds goofy. You probably heard it before, but for real, could you come to a conflict with someone, with someone's and say, Hey, we can agree to disagree, but let's at least, at least understand each other and honor each other. Uh, Terry real. I mentioned him before. Here's the quote that I paraphrase. He said, there is no room for objective reality in personal relationships. Who's right or wrong. Doesn't matter. It's about two subjective realities that have to negotiate with, you, with each other and make things work for themselves as a team. And William Urey said, the problem is not conflict but the destructive way we deal with it. We do it poorly. I've done it poorly. I still am struggling. That's why we're doing this series. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be learning for a long time, I think, on this one. But if you think about the relationship, most of us, when we have conflict, it is within a relationship that we want to maintain. Whether it's with a spouse, with a child, family, friends, 
whether it's at work with coworkers, managers, employers, uh, employees, different business relationships, vendors that you have, part, different partners that you may have, and you're wanting to maintain uh, the relationship or at least some level of civility. Very few of us are looking to just blow it out of the, of the water and we'll get to that. So you don't have to agree. It's a big point. You don't have to agree in conflict. You just have to figure out how to honor each other. Number two, this was a big point of Bob's of um, or, 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 or of Bill's um, that you got to pause. You've got to pause. We are so reactionary as a culture, and we get in that habit just in relationships. Somebody says that, you say this. Somebody says that, and you are arguing, you are debating, you are in conflict. It's now emotional. And he's just putting so much weight on you have to pause. And he calls it going to the balcony. Go to the balcony and take a moment. Don't react. Zig Ziglar was big on responding, healthfully responding with thought and awareness, not boom, reacting. Man, that's hard. When you get triggered, we're not going to go down the psychological aspect of this, but when you get triggered, which means you are threatened, you are frightened, whatever. And I look at that and I go, I don't want anything to be able to trigger me. I want to always be able to pause. You hear me say, I want. That is not, I I have not arrived there. Uh, I'm better. uh, And I'm better in some relationships than others, some instances than others. uh, But to pause. I mean, if that was just number one, we need, I wish that we could have a red flag that came up, you know, or a little buzzer on me that showed where my emotions were, or my heart rate that starts going, beep, 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 Kevin, Kevin. And it's a flag. Whoa, whoa. Okay. Wait, deep, deep breath. Stop. We don't do that relationally. It, it even seems goofy. Like, I'm not going to do that. Can I just be real? Well, yeah, you can be real and you can have bad conflict destructive conflict, as he says. That's why he wrote a book for it. That's why he's, uh, you know, goes around the world helping people with this. We do not naturally do this well. It is a very learned thing to do it well. And you've got to pause. Number three. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous. And I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra-rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out 
or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. You all know I greatly value and pursue my health and wellness, and I'm always looking for better products and resources. Nutritional supplements are a staple for me, and a must is a probiotic to support my gut health and function. A probiotic is something I've taken each and every day for the long-term cumulative benefits. Seed is a company that makes a symbiotic, which is actually a unique mix of probiotics and prebiotics. Probiotics are beneficial bacteria and prebiotics are food for these bacteria. So Seed's symbiotic containing both helps balance my gut bacteria. So together, the Seed DS01 symbiotic benefits my gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. Taking seeds, DSO-1 symbiotic, and avoiding the foods I know my body is sensitive to has taken me from constant digestive problems to almost none. I trust seeds clinical trials and breakthrough research that's been published in top scientific journals. You can entrust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash drive and use code 25DRIVE to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash drive, code 25DRIVE. Number three. It is a big deal. I almost feel like to some degree treating any conflict like this is a big deal, not to blow it out of proportion. And in some ways, you know, you you could, you could play with the semantics of this, but bear with me because I'd also say it'd be, it'd be helpful to also say it's not a big deal. Oh my gosh. Can we just not get our panties in a wad? As they say, it's not a big deal, but relationally it's a big deal. And if I would treat it as such, not with my own emotions, but just giving it gravity of going, okay, it seems like a little thing, but what's at risk here is the relationship, right? So let's, let's call it a big deal and treat it as such with rules and guidelines. Back back to Terry Real, I mean, any marriage therapist is going to have rules, guidelines, structure, strategy, call it what you want, take whichever one works for you. Yeah, I have a strategy for conflict. I have structure. I have rules. I have guidelines. Whatever works for you. But I thought about that. I mean, anything that we do well, we prepare for. I don't just jump on my bike and go out. I put on certain gear, make sure I have things with me. Uh, you don't, uh, they don't just go uh, football. We just had the Super Bowl. And there's no sport that doesn't have rules and guidelines. You can't do that. You can't grab the other guy's jersey and hold him. You'll get a penalty. You're allowed to play the game, but to play it fairly, there's rules and guidelines. It makes so much sense, but we don't do it. I struggle so much because you're just right in the conflict in the moment. If I would, number two, pause. And then number three, say, man, this is a big enough deal. 
I care enough about the, if I do care enough about the relationship that there's rules and there's guidelines. It's interesting. I read a book and I think it was, um, it was the guy who wrote born to win or born to run. I'm sorry. And it was uh, like natural born heroes. I think is what it is. I can't recall the, the, the writer's name, but in there he talked, one of the subjects in his book was a guy, or I think it was a couple guys who were, they trained people to fight like in wartime, like to fight, to win period. And it was, it was like the, the kick to the side of the leg that destroys your knee. It was the thumb in the eye. And they said, and I'm paraphrasing, but they said, you know, if it's a real fight, like a street fight where you're out for blood, it's over fast. It's over fast because one person maims the other and they're out. That's it. They said MMA or boxing, but even more so MMA has rules. Otherwise it, you would destroy each other and there the fight wouldn't last and the fighter, the, the fighter couldn't continue, which is why you don't see them kicking each other sideways in the knee and destroying a knee or breaking each other's bones or something like that, which you can do or gouging an eye. They make rules to make it well, in all truth to make it go longer, but also to make it fair so that they can come back to fight another time. That's what we're talking about here is having some structure going, okay, we're not going to blame. We're not going to uh, label each other. We're not going to call names. We're not going to raise our voices. You know, you can go down that line of, okay, here we are. We're at conflict. We paused. Now we're here. Let's prepare with some guidelines. William Urey said this, how to tell if negotiations are going poorly or well, they're poor going poorly. Blame is happening. We're mired in the past. And we're focusing on just what's wrong on the problem. What's wrong. If it's going well, we're not talking about the past. We're talking about the present and the future. And instead of focusing on what's wrong, we focus on what could be done. What can we do? Instead of of attacking each other, we attack the problem jointly. I'll speak more to that in just a second, but we attack it or we attack the problem jointly. He also said the way in which those in conflict talk with one another could either close down or open up new possibilities for agreement. Man, you know that the people that you struggle with, you know, right away how they're feeling, what their attitude is, what their demeanor is, what their mood is, and if they're there to hurt, you know? Uh, So the way that we talk back again to the guidelines, the structure, some strategy. Number four, know what you want. This is what you can do on the balcony or when you come into the conflict is know what you want and why. Really why? Why is it important to you? Why is it such a big deal enough to have conflict? Because if it's not a big deal, really, you might just go, whatever, do what you want. Obviously, it's a big deal. You would not be in conflict with each other. So what do you want and why? Man, that's another one that we don't often do. And this is why you do take that pause and say, man, I may need a minute. If you're right in it with somebody say, you know what, can I just have a minute? Make up an excuse, go to the bathroom and think about what is it that you really want? What is at the core of this issue for you? All right. Number five then is establishing the goal. And this was interesting as this came up during the conversations of what is the goal? Are you there? It's conflict. And are you there? literally just a win period. And we talked about that. So if you're on a sports team, you're there just to win. You're not there to compromise or necessarily connect with anybody. You're there to win. So in the conflict that you're in, is that it? Are you going to get lawyers? Are you going to get swords? Are you going to get whatever, but you're there 
to win. It's relevant to establish that I am here to win and be honest with yourself, question yourself. But if you say, you know, at the end of the day, man, that's it. I'm here to win. Okay. That changes, that changes the rest of my points that I'll get to here, but that changes the whole thing. Uh, you know, it really changes everything. Obviously, are you here to win? Now, the other side that we talked about was, or are you there to connect, you know, especially in a relationship with somebody you care about, you, you know, to, to connect or even a business relationship where you want to maintain connection. Now, I'll come back to that because another one that came out during this series was there is an aspect of compromise. Like you may say, there, okay, I'm not here just to win and blow the other person out of the water, but I'm not necessarily looking to connect, you know, as a business deal or whatever, but I'm looking to be civil and find some kind of a compromise. So again, I'm not necessarily connecting necessarily. This isn't a relationship I want to keep long term, but even that's good. So, Hey, I'm here to compromise. This isn't going to be some deep connection or, or whatnot. But, um, I am, uh, but I do want to compromise. So when blow them out of the water, compromise, let's just find something amiable that we can go forward with or connect, or is it actually, uh, I do want to connect. So establish the goal for yourself. And you can do that with the other person too. I mean, with anything, I mean, what would be great is to be doing this, going through this kind of stuff with somebody you're in conflict with, and both of you having these parameters around number six. Depending on the goal, then you can arrange yourself accordingly. Uh, and this came up in part three. It was really interesting as we talked about the sitting across the table. That's the kind of thing we talked about, right? Conflict. One person's on here, one person's here, and we're trying to you know work this thing out. But we're we're against each other. We're on opposing sides. That's what we culturally tend to have the perspective of. If you're not in agreement, then you're on opposing sides. Uh, they talk, I mean, my gosh, from a lawyer standpoint, it is opposing counsel, right? But with opposing sides, again, sitting across the table, the other idea is the triangle table. Man, I really like that. It's so interesting as we talk about the round table, like Knights of the Round Table. That was, you know, Lancelot and or King Arthur, and there was no head. It's pretty cool. And it's that concept. But for some reason, as we're often in conflict with another person specifically, or even if it's a group, but to think, okay, if we're here to compromise or to connect, how about a triangle table? You, me, and then there's another side. And that's what we're trying to come to terms with is that third way. That's where it came up with talking to my brother, Jared, about the third way. And I like that concept with it. It's almost like, okay, we're in a conflict. Let's you know sit at the round, sit at the, the uh, triangle table or... Yeah, Take a triangle out. I may do that. I may play with that. Take a triangle out and go, okay, you know, this is theoretically, here's, here it is. Here's a piece of paper. One side is you, one side is me. And then we are looking for the third way. I love the concept of that as a visual. Uh, it feels powerful. I like word pictures. I like the concepts to be visualized in my head. And I really like that idea of setting it out. And it makes me think of Bob Bodine. He wrote the book called Two Chairs, and it's from a spiritual standpoint about you taking a seat and then having this visual of next to you or across from you of God and that you are there and you're not just praying and asking for stuff. You're there to listen. And his premise is, is God, do you believe God cares about you? And you know, if you do, you say yes. Uh, do you believe that God's powerful enough to deal with your problems? If you say yes, okay, now listen. Listen. Uh, books sold a ton of copies, um, incredibly popular book, but again, it's that visual. So that's what I'm playing with here 
with the triangle table is that we are, have a, a commemorative spot here for what we're really trying to do. We are not in, we're not opposing each other. We're working this out again, unless you're there to win, then you just have a regular table sit across from each other and duke it out, whatever you're going to do, jump over the table and beat the other person up if that's your point. But generally I don't think that is in our lives. So arranging yourself accordingly, are you across the table or are you at a, as opposing sides, or are you on a triangle trying to figure out a third way? Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and air doctor is just the best air doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to air doctor comes with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping, go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code Kevin. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off exclusive to podcast customers. You will also receive a free three year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So my book and this podcast are named What Drives You. And what drives us to great things is our own values, our known values. When we go astray, it's because we've lost sight of our values. Therapy is key for helping you clarify what matters most to you so you can do more of it. I was late to taking advantage of therapy. It was only for crisis. But now myself and most of the rock stars I have on my show get therapy regularly. For most people, the main hurdle is starting therapy. I recommend you try BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's flexible. It's suited to your schedule. And trying it doesn't involve an afternoon of your time and all the hassle. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapist anytime, no additional charge. You can learn to make time for what is most valuable to you. So visit BetterHelp.com slash what drives you today. You get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash what drives you. Are you across the table or are you at a, as opposing sides, or are you on a triangle trying to figure out a third way? And then last number seven is, is the why is communicating your why have you done that as opposed to saying, Hey, I want this. You want that. How can we find a conversation? Why do you want that? Can you do that with yourself and get to the, get to the why and then communicate it with the other person? I talked about that a minute ago, your why, but have you communicated it? Say, man, th- I, I want this because this is what it means to me. This is what's really in it. This is the emotion behind it. Can you get to that? And then can you work to get the other person too? And they may not, but to the best of your abilities, this is where you get into some of the therapy language of hearing somebody and say, okay, so I understand that you want X and this, this is why. 
And they go, well, no, that's not why. Oh, gosh. Okay, why then? And you can lead them into that. I say that is very difficult to do. It's very difficult to do when you yourself are triggered already and you're struggling with it. It's it's maybe difficult to try to do that with somebody. You may get criticism from them or pushback. I don't know that any of this is easy, but that aspect of, I've heard the concept of, can you understand the other person? Can you stand on the other side of the mountain? Can you see from the other side of the mountain? Can you put yourself in there? Or I had a therapist one time talk about a beach ball because each side is different colors and we're always looking at different color. Can you try to see it from their standpoint? I like the idea of, if you had to make a case for the other person, you can do this by yourself with a journal or just thinking through it and go, okay, if I put myself in their shoes, can I have some understanding for how they're seeing it? You may think it's a dumb understanding. You go, okay, I, you know, if they want, if they're looking at it with this way in this heart, can they see, okay, I, you know, that's, that's relative to some degree and have some understanding and compassion uh, for that. Or again, you know, to ask them uh, what it is at the, at the end of all this conflict, what is it that they are wanting and why? Do we really understand them? Because so often, back to William Urey's standpoint of how destructive we, we are, because we are arguing, well, and to Terry Real, we're arguing about the objective reality. We are trying to convince, we are trying to make a case. I just, how often have you had that work? How often have you entered into conflict and somebody else just went and made a case and tried to convince you and you realize all of a sudden and said, oh my gosh, now I, I get what you're saying. I totally, I totally agree with you. How many times that happened? Maybe it has. Um, but I would imagine if you're interested to conflict in conflict to the degree that you're listening to this right now, you're probably having a lot of times where that does not seem like the case and you are not, you know, understanding each other. You're not seeing eye to eye and you are convincing and making a case. I do this. I end up in my journal venting, right? Making my case. Sometimes I can do that and kind of get it off. That's sort of, sort of some of my balcony work and kind of get it off my chest. Go, okay, that was the raw feelings. And now, okay, but what do I do? How can I come around now? Let me think about it through the other person's lens, uh, strive to at least, but those are red flags to me when we are convincing and we're making a case. And of course you can explain why, why it is um, that you see something a certain way and share, but share it as this is, this is how I saw it. And this is how it makes me feel. And this is how I want to feel. This is what I want as an outcome, as opposed to saying, this is the way I see it and convincing what we do is convince the other person to see it that way. Yeah, but come on, but if, if uh, this is what happened and this is how I saw it, can't you see that? And that's the, that's the, spirit that we generally take. And this is what William Urey is, you know, whether he's working with people, individuals, couples, or whether he's working with two warring countries. And it's the same scenario. He's got one and they are dead set on their perspective. They're dead set on their perspective, but they're here at the table because they got to do something. They got to compromise at least uh, for the most part they're, If they were just about winning, then they're just going to pull out guns. They don't need him. So they're there at the table by proxy because they're looking for help and he's got to get them seeing the other person's side to some degree, to some level, uh, or at least to come to a compromise, at least it comes to, to, to get past probably no side is going to get exactly what they want, but can we come to a compromise that at least ends this so we can go forward again, don't have to agree. But you got to find, you got to be able to agree to disagree, but find something equitable 
for both sides. It's a big topic. It's a big topic, folks, and one that's going to take. This is one of those that you don't just hear. Uh, you and, and things change. This is when you have to work out. For me, on the simplistic side, I, I'm literally thinking about pulling out, having a triangle around somewhere that reminds me, and using it. Even if I'm just by myself using it and just looking at it going, okay, this is not opposing sides. I've got to help come up with a third way. That may be my personal red flag or reminder is the triangle. You'll have to find your own. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining me on this journey. Uh, I would love to talk with you further in our Drive Top Tribe. Go to kevinmiller.co and click on community. Uh, big thanks to William Urey. And uh, this book is significant. It's called, again, Possible, How We Survive and Thrive in an Age of Conflict. Uh, also, thanks to my brother, Jared Angaza, for joining me to discuss this uh, further. Guys, and I don't want to forget, too, that uh, William joined me to do part three with uh, on Thomas Hubel. That was such a joy. And we're already looking at doing a kind of a roundtable of sorts and a new series, a new, new episode format we're going to do with uh, William. So hopefully we'll have him back here again. Well, hey, friends, until next time, I hope this episode has been beneficial to you and helps you drive further and enjoy your ride. Yeah. Most Americans at New Year's are thinking about improving their health and losing some weight. In regards to eating, the feeling is generally it's going to cost more money, more stress and effort, and you got to eat bland food. Well, a solution to all these is HelloFresh. Uh, HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's literally number one meal kit. You can make saving time a viable resolution with quick, convenient recipes. They're delivered right to you. You just choose your meals and select your delivery date. And HelloFresh handles the meal planning and shopping. So you just open your weekly box of pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step -step recipes. And you're cooking quickly with ease and joy. My family loves HelloFresh. We just open the box, follow the recipes, and have something new and interesting and good for us. It's become one of our family's favorite activities together. So go to HelloFresh.com slash drivefree. And use code drive free for free breakfast for life. You get one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash drive free with code drive free. HelloFresh, it's America's number one meal kit.